Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. How we feeling? How's everybody doing? Who was here last week? One of my favorite Sundays ever. Didn't Pastor Scott do an amazing job with the rocks and Joseph and that, that entire series? Yeah, you can clap. I, I mean, I, I heard so many people this week that talked about the impact that that, um, that, that message had on them. Uh, today, we're going to uh, just kind of do a little one-part thing this morning. Um, how many of you would would admit that over the last few months you've kind of struggled maybe emotionally, spiritually, um, psychologically? Anybody, can you admit that? Um, if, if I'm honest, um, I, I have as well. I'm, I'm, I'm normally someone who has a pretty good wrap and grasp on their thought life. Like I'm not one to necessarily think a bunch of lies about myself. Um, I typically see the best in other people. Um, you can ask people that know me well. I typically see the best in other people because usually it drives other people crazy that I see the best in other people. Um, I'm typically someone who always kind of sees the glass half full, not half empty. I'm kind of optimistic. But over the last few months, I have to admit that it's, it's been a struggle for me. Not only with uh, my heart just breaking for uh, the racial unrest in our country, not just my heart um, breaking for parents that... Um, are trying to figure out how to manage school, um, not, not, not just, not just the, the situations that our world finds themselves in, but I've just kind of been down on myself lately. And I think what happens is, is I'll, I'll start watching something or I'll start listening to somebody, and before I know it, my, my joy and my, my thoughts are on this track, and my joy is just zapped, and I don't know where it, where it came from. A normally joyous person is all of a sudden not so joyous. You know, joy has a tendency to leak, doesn't it? Joy has a tendency to, to leak. It, sometimes it can feel like our joy bucket has a hole in it, doesn't it? And so what happens is maybe, maybe you were feeling good about the way things were going six months ago. Maybe the first part of quarantine, you were there, you were like, hey, this gives us a, more of an opportunity to spend time together as a family, and then you spent time together as the family, and now your joy's leaking. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe, maybe a year ago, you had some really, really big goals, and you were on a track to do those, and then 2020 hit, and now the joy is leaking. Maybe, maybe you've had a few good weeks, and you felt pretty good. Maybe you changed something. Maybe you started exercising. Maybe you changed your diet, and you felt pretty good, but then you get a phone call from that person. You know what I'm talking about? They only call you when they need something. Maybe, maybe things financially were going well but you just got laid off another time. Our joy has a tendency to leak. And so we can be normally a pretty, pretty happy person, normally a pretty joyous person, because yes, we, we do have Jesus down in my heart, wear it down in my heart, I've got the, you know. And we can typically be a, a, normally a joyous person, but if we're honest, sometimes life can just get the best of us, can it? And our joy begins to, to run out. 
And the thoughts that we think about ourselves and the thoughts that we think about other people, if we're not careful, become thoughts that aren't true and there are lies that the enemy has fed us directly himself. Today, I want to talk, and this is my title, Thoughts on Thinking, but if I had a subtitle, it would be Leaky Joy. Leaky Joy. We're going to be in the book of Philippians today. Philippians, if you don't know, is written by a guy named Paul. Now, Paul was a missionary, and Paul was someone who, if you read the course of Scripture and you read his story in Acts, and then you read the letters that he's written to the different churches that he helped plant and he helped start all along the Mediterranean Sea, if you read his story and you listen to his story, he's a guy who, who should have had his joy leak out. And as a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul goes into kind of this discourse about all the things that had happened to him up to that point. Paul says, I've been beaten. He says, I've been flogged. He says, I've been shipwrecked. He was shipwrecked as a prisoner. He was snake bitten. He got bit on the hand by a snake. He was cursed at. He was, he was disowned. He says, everywhere I went, my life was at risk. And now, when we get to the book of Philippians, not only has Paul had everything seemingly bad happen to him, but now the church that he started after he accepted Jesus, the church at Philippi, now he's hearing that the church at Philippi is divided. They're divided over some beliefs, and so he is actually writing this letter that we're about to read to the church at Philippi to say, hey, let's, 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 let's lay some things out, let's tighten up. And not only that, but Paul is actually writing this letter as he is penning the words of Philippians. He's writing it from a Roman prison. If anybody had a reason for their joy to leak, it was, it was Paul. But yet, if you read any commentary or you hear any conversation from someone who's a lot smarter than I am about the book of Philippians, one of the things that they'll tell you is the, one of the major themes of the book of Philippians is joy. Can you believe that? So here's Paul, he's been beaten, shipwrecked, he's a prisoner, not of his own doing in Rome, he's writing to a church with a, that he has a heart for, a people that he has heart for because they're divided, but yet one of the central themes of the entire letter, the entire book of the Bible is joy. It doesn't make sense, does it? I think Paul understood that joy isn't a matter of circumstances, it's a matter of the source. You ever thought about that? Real joy isn't really a matter of what happens to you. Real joy, it's something deeper. It's something that comes from a, from a greater source. Paul, uh, John Piper, a theologian, pastor, he defines joy like this. Joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world. So in other words, what that means is that means that joy is something that's deeper than your circumstances. Sure, it may feel like some things happen and your joy is leaking and your joy has a hole in it, but when it's deep and when you really have an understanding of it and you understand the source of your joy, it's this thing that comes from your gut. It's this thing that, 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 that focuses on something better than just the movable circumstances in your life. It focuses on something deeper than just the state of your circumstances. The battle for joy is fought in the mind. Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if we're going to battle this 
idea of leaky joy, and we're going to get to the source of what it really looks like. It starts in our mind. Did you know we have anywhere from 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day? 60 to 80,000 thoughts. So if, if you do the math, and let's take the low number, the 60,000, and let's assume that we don't sleep, okay? Some of you are like, that's not a stretch. And let's assume that we don't, stri- don't, we don't sleep. That's 2,500 thoughts per hour. Now, out of those 2,500 thoughts, you can divide those up however you want to. Some of, those are, some of those are good thoughts. Some of those are thoughts about other people. Some of those are thoughts about yourself. Some of those are lies that you've been led to believe. Some of those are, are, are trying to justify someone's behavior. Some of those are, 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 are greedy thoughts. Some of those are anxious thoughts. But you have 2,500 thoughts per hour. And if we're not careful, those thoughts that you have will begin to poke joy in or holes in your joy because you'll begin to focus on circumstances rather than the source so at the end of the day at the end of this message I I can't promise you and I'm not going to promise you that your circumstances are going to change as a matter of fact they very well will probably be the exact same as when you walked in this morning but what I can promise you is that you'll get a better idea of the source of your joy are y'all ready how do we begin to to plug these holes Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, if you've been in church a decent amount of time, you probably know this passage, but Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice who? In who? The Lord. If you have a Bible with you, or if you have a notes app, or if you have a Bible app, highlight, if you can, the words in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So here's Paul writing from a Roman prison with a a view of the things that have already happened to him in his life. He's writing from a Roman prison to a divided group of people and he's telling them, rejoice in the Lord. Paul, it doesn't look like you have much of a reason to, right? You're writing from a prison. The church that you have started is seemingly falling apart. You're not even there. You can't even be there. Paul, what are you talking about? Rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that the tension that we feel? Like, you, 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 you want to rejoice? Like, you want to be happy? You want to be joyful? You thought it was going to be different? You thought you were going to grit your teeth and bear it and fake it till you felt it? And you know you should have joy because I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? You feel like that's who you're supposed to be, but there's this tension, isn't there? Because I know I'm supposed to rejoice, but I ain't feeling it. Do you ever have those days? Like, I I know the right answer. I've been doing this long enough to know the right answer. It's rejoice in the Lord, Paul, but I don't see much reason. And there's a tension between what we're supposed to do and what we feel like doing, isn't there? Y'all act holy if you want to, but sometimes I don't feel like doing the stuff that the Bible tells me to do. Paul says rejoice in the Lord, but there's tension there. And here's what I think is the key to managing this tension is most of the time in my life at least, When something happens, I see it surface level. And so, yeah, when I I lose my job, I see it surface level. This ain't good. There's there's no two ways about it. This ain't good. It's not good that I don't have a job. I got a family to feed. I got a car payment. I got a house payment. I've got to buy clothes, school starting back. This ain't good. I tend to see it surface level. 
Yes, they're sick. Yes, we got that diagnosis. Yes, I have to go have this surgery or I may die. We see it surface level, don't we? But I think the key and I think what the flip that Paul was able to flip in his mind is when you quit seeing its surface level and you begin to see it at a God level. And what I mean by, what I mean by this is this. Paul had been through some junk. Paul had experienced some stuff. And so when Paul looked at the negative things, the perceived negative things in his life, he could look at them from a different level and he could say, yes, this ain't good on the surface, but under it, God is revealing something about me and about him. It's not good on the surface, but I can rejoice in the Lord because he still holds tomorrow. I don't know what today holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Do you see the difference? And so Paul is saying, listen, I know, I know you had that disagreement with them and now they're back in your life. I know you've got elderly parents and you can't even go see them. Your family member had surgery. They wouldn't even let you in the hospital. I know it doesn't feel good, but what Paul could say is only God's faithfulness oftentimes is only seen in the rearview mirror, isn't it? Paul could say, you know what? I know surface level of this ain't good, but I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. If we're going to plug the holes in our joy, it's in our realization of who God is. It's in the realization of who God is. Paul saw this firsthand. Do you remember Paul's story? Paul was a man we see in Acts, and he's literally holding the coats for people as they're beating the early Christians. And he's standing on the sidelines and he's applauding this behavior. But yet Jesus meets him on a road as he's going to kill more Christians. He's on a horse. Jesus literally knocks him off his horse. He falls on the road. Jesus speaks directly to him. And from that day forward, Paul spent his life planting churches rather than persecuting Christians. Paul knew what it was like to have an encounter with God. And some of you today can testify that because of some of that surface level stuff that's happened to you that wasn't good, it gave you a chance to see the real Jesus. Because without the bad, you couldn't see his faithfulness. Without the tough, you couldn't see his faithfulness, right? It's in the realization. How do we plug the holes in our joy? It's in our realization of who God really is. And I think we've missed that as Christians. We've missed the, 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 the love of, of God, but we've also missed the power of God. God is not this timid little thing sitting in heaven hoping everybody gets along. No, God is a God of love, but he's also a God of power. And he has the ability to transform your situation. You can have joy. You can rejoice in the Lord because he can turn it around. He's a God of power. Most of the time, if you really thought about it, the things that make us anxious, make us anxious, and if we trace them back, the reason is because we have a misunderstanding of who God is. Think about it. You're anxious about tomorrow. You're anxious about a phone call. You're anxious about a job interview. You're anxious about what your boss is going to tell you when you get to work. If you trace that thought process back, the reason you're anxious is because you're forgetting that God's with you. You're forgetting that he is for you. You're forgetting that he is all-powerful, all all-loving, all-knowing. It's in our realization of who God really is. Let me just 
run through some stories in the Bible and hopefully shine a light, especially if you're a new follower of Jesus, of, of who God really is. Because I do think that this, this idea of realizing who God is to begin to plug the holes in our joy and to begin to sort out our thoughts, I do think it's really simple, but it's really powerful. Because if we could ever flip that switch in our mind and, and see things from a, from a different perspective and see them beyond surface level, I think, I think it could really change the joy that a lot of us live with. But he, here's a little glimpse of who God is throughout Scripture. Genesis 1, we see God creating. God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything you see. Genesis 1, he literally spoke and stuff came about. He literally spoke and things moved. He literally spoke and new people were formed. God created with the, with, with, the, with the speech of his mouth and with just a word from his mouth, which tells me God can still create things in my life from what feels like nothing. Exodus 7 through 10, we're, we're fast forwarding a little bit, but God delivers plagues on the Egyptians, his people, the people that he loved, the Israelites were enslaved in captivity. God delivers 10 plagues on the Egyptians so that his people can be free. God can still free his people. Exodus 14, we see the sea parting. That's the infamous story where the Israelites are finally let go out of slavery by the Egyptians, but yet they're pursuing them because Pharaoh changed his mind and they got a sea in front of them. They got a sea in front of them. They got an army behind them, a sea in front of them, an army behind them. Do you ever feel like that? A sea in front of me, an army behind me. I don't know which way to go. But yet the Bible says that God told Moses, I want you to raise your staff over the water. And all of a sudden the waters parted and they walked through on dry land. And Exodus 17, we see God producing water. He told Moses, I want you to hit your staff on this rock and water is going to come out of it. In case you didn't realize, typically water doesn't just come out of rocks. And I want you to know that God still has the ability to meet your need, to meet that thirst from deep down inside of you. Joshua 10, God makes the sun stand still so that Joshua can fight. Numbers 22, there's a donkey speaking. Wives, your husband, never mind. 1 Samuel 17, there's a giant falling. Do you remember do you remember the story? David, little boy David, goes up against big old Goliath. He shouldn't have had a chance. He chose five stones. So why did he choose five stones when he only needed one? I don't know, but don't ask stupid questions. But he picked up five stones, remember, and he slung it, and he hit the giant in the forehead, and the giant fell down. God can still take care of the giants in your life. What about 2 Kings 4? There's a lady who has no money. She has no one to support her. All she has is a little bit of oil, but yet she begins to pour the oil out. And when Elijah is there, it keeps flowing and she's able to pay her bills. He can still do that kind of stuff for you. What about Matthew 9? We see demons running. Jesus speaks a word and the devil has to flee. He still does. The name of Jesus is above any demon. What about John 2? We see wine flowing. I'm not even gonna comment on that one. John 11, we see Lazarus living. Lazarus was dead. Everybody pronounced him dead. Jesus comes. He says, Lazarus, get up. Take off his grave clothes. God can still resurrect your situation. And then in Luke 24, we see Jesus resurrecting from the dead in the ultimate comeback story. Do you realize who God is? Do you realize why you should not let your joy leak just because of the little things that happen to you? They feel big right now, but God is bigger than the little holes. Do you see that? And it's really, somebody, please. And it's really easy, I'm admitting, it's really easy for me to stand here on a Sunday morning and say that. But what happens on Tuesday? When 
my child does that thing again, or I have to take them back to the doctor, I have to take them back to the hospital. What happens, I have to begin to change my thoughts. I have to begin to be able to remind myself and not have a preacher remind me of who God really is. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but God is bigger than your mind is telling you he is. He's bigger than who you keep going back to, than the thoughts that you keep going back to about him. He's bigger. He's stronger. Philippians 4 goes on to say in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, oh man, I could preach a whole sermon off of those, those words, but I'm not. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, there's power in that word, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, in other words, I can't understand it, I can only experience it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The second thing, it's in our realization, but it's also in our presentation. Therefore, present your request to God. That word anxious there, do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious literally means to be pulled apart. Isn't that how it feels? When anxiety hits, when worries come, when joy begins to leak, doesn't it literally feel like you should be pulled apart? Because I'm I'm, I'm a believer, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I know I shouldn't be worried. I remember what Jonathan said. Yes, he parted the seas. Yes, he produced water from a rock. He can do that for me. But this is my thing. These are my kids. This is my husband, right? And so it it pulls you, it begins to, to pull you apart. He says, do not be anxious. Do not be pulled apart. Pick a side, Paul is saying. Don't be pulled apart by anything. Instead, Present your request to God. That anxiety that you feel inside of you should be an alert sign reminding you to pray. You know what what it feels like, right? It's just, it's kind of in your gut and it's, you don't necessarily feel sick, but you don't necessarily feel like you can breathe real good. Some of you, that's asthma, but for some of you, you know what anxiety feels like. That should be a a sign alerting you that it's time for you to present your request to God. And and here's the mind-blowing part. You don't have to book an appointment. You don't have to call ahead of time. He says, present your request to God. You can come any time, and he always hears you. If you think about it, being anxious really is crazy, right? I read one commentator. He said that, being anxious is an, intr- an intrusion into an area that belongs to God alone. It makes us the father of the household instead of being a child. Now just think for a minute. If my little six-year-old boy went over there and told the kids volunteers, you know what, guys? I'm really worried. Our air conditioner's been making an odd noise today. Teacher, I'm really worried about mommy and daddy's 401k. Teacher, I, I'm really, really, really worried about my college fund. I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about how I'm going to get home. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to cook lunch. What, what if he started telling, telling them that over there? What would y'all do? Like, y'all would come over here and get me, right? Like, what is wrong with this kid? What is wrong with you? But isn't that what we do with God? Don't we intrude on his territory all the time? 
I know good and well what my 401k says. I'm not happy about it, but I know. I got a while, right? I know, I know good and well how he's going to get home. I know how I'm going to cook him lunch. I know. But we treat God like that all the time. God, I'm really worried about if they, what if they go off to college and they get hooked up with the wrong crowd and, 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 and then, they, then they start hanging out with the wrong people and, 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 and then, then they literally sell themselves to somebody and then I find them on the side of the road dead and you have a four-year-old, right? Isn't that where your mind goes? You're intruding on an area that's not yours. He says, don't be anxious. Instead, present. My lack of peace, most of the time, is a result of my lack of prayer. My lack of peace, my, my leaky joy, is usually a result of my lack of prayer, isn't it? My, my lack of understanding, my lack of being able to walk through, walk through life with a, with, a, with a good view of the way things are going is usually a result of my, my lack of prayer. Paul says, present your request to God. Now, most of the time, what many of us have been raised to think is that that means only the big things, right? Like only the big things. Like only if I need someone healed, only if I need someone saved, only if I need a financial miracle. Uh, like I'll pray about the big things, right? But that's not what Paul is telling us. And I think one of the misconceptions that a lot of especially younger believers have is that that God just wants to hear about the big things. Like he doesn't really have time for the little things. Like he doesn't really have time about me really caring that I get the right table at a restaurant. God doesn't care about that. But yes, he does. Because if my son comes to me and he tells me something minor that he really wants, do you think I want to make sure he gets it? Yes. Does he always get it? No, because I'm his dad and I know better, but I care, don't I? Paul says, present your request to God. Don't worry about anything, but tell him Everything. This should involve you talking to yourself all day, not out loud. But this should involve you talking to yourself all day. Every time that little thing happens, you should be presenting that to God. The only way to plug our holes that are in joy is in presenting our request to God. And here's the thing. God always hears you. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to have your hat off. You don't have to talk loud. You don't have to talk soft. You don't have to say a bunch of scripture. God hears you. Why? Because you have his ear. Why? Because you are his child. Don't worry about anything. Don't be pulled apart. Don't even worry. Don't even go to that other side. But in everything, present your request to God. Now, prayer isn't just a one-way conversation either. And see, here's, here's where a lot of the confusion happens because if, if the battle for my joy begins in my mind, then I should just turn off my thoughts, right? But the problem is, is that sure, fear and lies are spoken to me through my mind. And I think things that aren't true. But you know who also else speaks to my mind? God. A lot of the times when I say God spoke something to me, where does, where does he put it? He puts it in a thought, Right? He puts, it, he, puts it, he puts it in my mind, and sometimes this can be confusing because I don't know, is, is this thought God or is this thought a lie, right? 
And so you're told, you're told to filter out the lies, take every thought captive, but yet at the same time, yes, I think God speaks to me through my thoughts. Sometimes I have ideas that are so much better than the ones that I can come up with. I know it can't be me, right? Sometimes God speaks to me. It's, it, it's so cool, y'all. Sometimes I'm a thinker, and so I'm always thinking, but sometimes I'll have a little thought, and it's like I can't remember coming up with it, but I remember thinking it. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I'll have a, like, like, it's, like it's kind of a, a fleeting thought. Like it's just, it's just quick, but I can't get it out of my mind. Do you ever have this? And so what we have to, what we have to learn to do is we have to learn to, to, to be able to sort out, is this, is, this, is this a lie? Is this coming from the enemy or is this coming from just me being up too late? What, is this a lie or is, is this God speaking to me? And the only way you can do that is through practice. I think that's one of the reasons why Paul says pray about everything. Because you need to learn God's tone. You need to learn the things that God would say. When I talk to my wife, I usually know what she's going to say before she says it. Not because she's predictable, because I would never admit that. But, but because I've been around her enough, right? I know her character. I know her tone. I know the situations that she likes, the situations that she doesn't like. That's the only way we're going to be able to sort out, is this, is this a thought I need to push out? Or is this a thought that I need to, to welcome in? Y'all know what God said to me the other day? I don't, once again, I don't remember where I came up, came up with it. I don't think I heard it. I didn't read it out of the Bible. But he told me, he said, Jonathan, you have no idea how much of my attention is on you. Yes, my attention is on everybody, but you don't share me with anybody. Isn't that cool? And it was just one of those, trying to snap louder. It was just one of those quick, like maybe I'm better. There we go. It was just one of those quick, you know, one of those quick thoughts, like, but yet it settled into my soul. And so it's true. As I, as I read the Bible, I, I see that the numbers of hairs on my head are numbered and he knows them. I see that he created me, that he loves me, that nothing can separate me from his love. And so yeah, that was God. It's in our realization. It's in our presentation. And then Paul ends this section in verse 8. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's also in our meditation. I can almost promise you that the direction of your life is directly coordinated with the direction of your thoughts. The direction of your strongest and most persistent thoughts probably head in the direction that your life is heading. Am I right? What are you, what are you meditating on? He's saying whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the, are the things that you should think about. Our thoughts are kind of like the soundtrack of our lives. Have you ever been watching a, a movie G-rated because y'all wouldn't watch anything else. But you ever been watching a movie? Maybe it's a, a Netflix show. 
Once again, G-rated, because y'all wouldn't watch anything else. Just got to cover my bases, you know. Um, I don't know. This, this is Springwell. Whatever. Whatever y'all are watching. Whatever heathenism y'all are watching. Have you ever been watching something? And all of a sudden, maybe they're about to walk into a place. And all of a sudden, the music changes. And so maybe it goes from something happy and cheery to... Wait, that's Jaws, isn't it? Or that, there's a good example. Well, about, what about Jaws? Like when the music changes, you can tell what's going to happen a lot of times by the tone of the music, can't you? The, the tone of the music makes you feel a certain way even before the action happens, doesn't it? That's, that's what our thoughts are. Our thoughts are kind of the soundtrack of our lives and the thoughts that we think and the things that we meditate on and the things that we give credit to and give weight to often determine the direction of our of our lives, the mood that we're walking into it. Wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. And before long, the heart and the mind are pulled apart because of our thinking. Our mind can be a runaway train, can it? I mean, have you ever had that runaway train? It starts with one thing, like you're even reading your Bible you're praying, and even as a prayer request, something creeps into your mind that's not good. And before you know it, you have gone to, God, thank you for Susie, to, God, please don't let the world fall apart, right? And, you, if, you, and if you just tracked it, you can trace it to see all of these illogical thoughts because you started in one place, but you went to another. Sometimes our, our minds are just a runaway train. There has to be something in the middle to intercept it. What are you meditating on? What are you putting into your life? There's, there's people in, in, in this room this morning, you need to quit watching the news so much. You need to quit watching the news and need to start checking the news. Because the negativity, the things that are going on in our world, you need to be aware, but you do not need to meditate on those. For some of you, you need to, to, to take Facebook off of your phone. Because every time you look at it, it starts as a quick check and then there's some kind of bitterness that comes in your heart because you see what they said again, right? What are you, what are you meditating on? What are you feeding yourself? For some of you, there's a person that you need to take out of your phone and out of your contacts because every time you talk to them, you can be in a good mood and all of a sudden, every time you talk to them, they are trying to one-up you on their problems, and I'm not saying I think we need to have relationships with all different kinds of people, people that don't think like us, people that don't look like us, people that don't act like us. But there comes a time if you've known that person for 30 years, but yet every time you talk to them, you're meditating on the wrong and the negative. You need to, you need to tell them, listen, we're going to have to talk less. What is, your mind, what is your mind meditating on? What are you putting into your mind? Because one of the reasons why our mind can be a runaway, runaway train is because we have no stop signs in it. Because we're not meditating on any truth. We're not meditating on anything that's good. We're not meditating on anything that we can learn from. And so our minds are this runaway train because we're giving them the tracks with all the negativity, all of the lies, all of the hate. Guys, this is, I don't want to get off on that, but this is the time. This is the time for the church not to spew negativity. This is the time for the church to unify people and to love people. Yes, have your favorites. Yes, vote your way, but love people. What is your mind meditating on? What are you allowing into it? How is it reflected in your, in your joy? 
Paul says our minds should think about what's pure, what's lovely, what's of good report. In other words, what's worth talking about is, 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 is the technical word there. What's worth talking about? What is worth talking about? Your mind should think about things that are worth talking about. Paul writes something similar in the book of Romans. Romans 12, too, many of you are going to know this verse. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, he's saying don't conform. We conform on the outside. Society can conform us. The news, social media can conform us. But he's saying, no, don't conform, but be transformed. Transformation is something that can only happen inside of me. It's the only, it's, it, it has to happen in my mind and in my heart. Transformation has to happen deeper. Even though the world can try to make me conform and try to make my joy less leaky by giving me things to escape from and escape with, even though the world can try to feed me negativity, and yes, that makes me feel good for a moment, I'm not gonna conform to that because I'm gonna be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm gonna put good things in. I'm gonna put things that are praiseworthy, things that are excellent, things that are honorable, things that are worth talking about, things that are godly, things that are unifying, things that are loving. I'm not gonna conform, but I'm gonna be transformed because I'm gonna fight the battle in my, in my mind. So how do we begin to practice this? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to take intentional times to turn off the noise. To turn off the noise. Whatever that looks like to you. Maybe it's, maybe you put in some noise, some music in your headphones because that's the only way you can escape the, the kids or work or whatever it might be. But just how can you escape and have some, have some time for structured thinking? where you're not just having these random thoughts throughout the day, but you're having some structured thinking where God can speak to you. We're bombarded by so much. And if you think about it, our minds are constantly told what train track to go down, aren't they? Whether it's a podcast, whether it's a news station, whether it's a conversation. But what happens when you get space and you just allow your mind to, to wander? Those are where those thoughts come from that are God thoughts turn off the noise and second is think better thoughts think better thoughts on your you have a card on your chair that gives you five thoughts to think five thoughts that are going to help hopefully help put truth inside of you and are going to help you meditate on things that are good these five thoughts i say out loud to myself every morning i have for a couple of years now and my suggestion for you would be to do the same. Put it on your mirror, put it in your car. We're gonna have some stuff on social media this week so that you can save it as your phone background, just so you have it in front of you. But if we're gonna begin to transform our thinking and our joy isn't gonna be, be leaky, what kind of thoughts can we think? And, and here, here are the thoughts. You've got them there, but I'll read them to you anyway. It says, God knows me and loves me anyway. What if you started out your morning with that? Instead of, Oh crap, what do I have to get in today? What if you thought, God knows me and he loves me anyway. He knows the thoughts that go through my head. He knows the stuff I struggle with that nobody else knows. But he loves me anyway. One of my favorites is the power of God is stronger than my greatest fear. That's when you go from that surface level thinking to that God level thinking. Jesus is all I need. I have nothing to prove. How freeing is that? 
That one really resonated with me about a year ago. I have nothing to prove. If you're a believer in the room this morning, I want you to know that God wants you to obey. Jesus wants you to walk with him. He wants you to do the right things and not do the wrong things. But you have nothing to prove to him. He loves you just as you are. He loves you stumbling, bumbling, rumbling. He loves you stumbling over the same things. You have nothing to prove to him. He says, you are my child. I am approved. I approve of you. You have nothing to prove to him. The spirit controls my thoughts and actions. I'm not just going to react on every whim, every idea that I have, but the spirit controls my thoughts and actions. And the last one is God is with me and goes before me. Just think through those things, at least this week. Maybe say them out loud. Keep them somewhere where you can look at them. Maybe these will remind you to pray too, to pray about everything. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There's people under the side of, sound of my voice this morning and your joy has been really leaky for a long time. And the reason is, is because you do not know the source of real joy. You've never asked Jesus into your life. And so, yeah, your thoughts run wild. Yes, your joy comes and goes based on the circumstances of life. And the thing about us as believers is sometimes our joy is leaky, but we can always get more in our bowl because we know the source. So if you're in here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus in the quietness of this moment, you can say this to your chair, or say this sitting in your chair, you can say it to yourself, you can say it out loud. But if you wanna accept Jesus this morning, just say, Jesus, I know I've failed. I know I've messed up. But Jesus, I give up. I can't do this by myself. Thank you that the message of the gospel is good news. That you came, you died, and you defeated death and you rose. And God, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I believe it. Will you come into my life and, and fill me with with joy. Fill me with your peace. God, give me eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen. For the rest of us this morning, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if you begin to, to realize how much God really cares about you. To realize his power and his strength and his might and his love that you begin to present to him the times you're worried, the times you're struggling, the times that you're fine, but you just want to talk to him. What would happen if, if you begin to meditate on his truth? That you begin to think his thoughts? What would happen? Maybe, maybe our joy wouldn't be so leaky. Matter of fact, John 15, 11, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that, so that you may be filled with my joy. Your joy will overflow. Wouldn't you like to have some overflowing joy? Some joy that just can't, can't keep it inside anymore? Because you know that no matter what the circumstances are, my source is strong. My source is bigger. My source doesn't get moved. And so, yes, my problems may come, but my joy will not 
my thoughts of who I am will not leak because I know the right thoughts to think. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. God, thank you for loving me. God, someone who is messed up and tries to think the right thing, but sometimes just spirals out of control. God, thank you for allowing your truth and your love to to bring me back in. God, I pray for every person out here this morning who's struggling with their thought life, who's struggling with joy. And God, as I said earlier, the circumstances may look exactly the same when they leave here, but I pray that they would they would transform their minds by thinking good thoughts and by God, by knowing who you are. God, the problems we face are nothing compared to the God that we serve. God, make that real to us. Don't make it just a message. Don't make it just a thought. Don't make it just something we know, but make it something that sinks into our soul. God, thank you for the privilege of of teaching your word. Thank you for the privilege of teaching your word to such a diverse, loving, and amazing group of people. God, thank you for this church. Thank you that you have overcome and that our joy overflows. In Jesus' name.